Forgiveness is hard, really hard. And yet, Jesus seems very serious about just how important it is. Hi, welcome to St Ninian's Church in Stonehouse. I'm Stuart and I get to be the minister here. We hope that you find this video useful. And if you do, then you can find loads more of them on our YouTube channel and on our website. Today, I'm joined by Margaret who will lead us in prayer later in our time together. But first, let's hear as she reads our scripture for today. Our reading this morning can be found in Matthew chapter 18, verses 21 to 35. Then Peter came to Jesus and asked, Lord, if my brother keeps on sinning against me, how many times do I have to forgive him? Seven times. No, not seven times, answered Jesus, but seventy times seven. Because the kingdom of heaven is like this. Once there was a king who decided to check in his servants' accounts. He had just begun to do so when one of them was brought in who owed him millions of pounds. The servant did not have enough to pay his debt, so the king ordered him to be sold as a slave with his wife and his children and all that he had in order to pay the debt. The servant fell on his knees before the king. Be patient with me, he begged and I will pay you everything. The king felt sorry for him, so he forgave him the debt and let him go. Then the man went out and met one of his fellow servants, who owed him a few pounds. He grabbed him and started choking him. Pay back what you owe me, he said. His fellow servant fell down and begged him, Be patient with me, and I will pay you back. But he refused. Instead, he had him thrown into jail until he should pay the debt. When the other servants saw what had happened, they were very upset and went to the king and told him everything. So he called the servant in. You worthless slave, he said. I forgave you the whole amount you owed me, just because you asked me to. You should have had mercy on your fellow servant, just as I had mercy on you. The king was very angry, and he sent the servant to jail to be punished, until he should pay back the whole amount. And Jesus concluded, That is how my Father in heaven will treat every one of you, unless you forgive your brother from your heart. Have you ever watched The Repair Shop on BBC TV? It's addictive television. People bring really interesting old objects that have over time been damaged or broken, and they leave them with a team of experts to have them repaired. The repair processes are fascinating. Watching someone strip a clock, clean it, fix a damaged cog and put it all back together is amazing. Or repairing an old suitcase or a toy or a book or a piece of furniture. As they are repaired, we learn something about the history of these objects, what they were used for and how they work. It's a wonderful process and it's an amazing gift to be able to give someone back their treasure. These things all have meaning to people. They're heirlooms. Items of significance that almost always remind them of someone who's played a large part in their life or the life of a particular community. What might be surprising is that the things brought for repair are almost always taken completely apart, even if it seems that the damage or the problem is superficial. That's because experts want to check that there is no underlying structural problem that will cause the same problem to happen again. 
There's no point in patching something up just for it to burst or break again because the deeper damage remains untouched. Some of the people ask that some of the superficial damage is is not completely removed. The bumps and scuffs, they tell a story, their story. They're all reminders of times that someone banged into Granny's sideboard or bounced something off a clock on a mantelpiece or used that case to pack up their lives and go somewhere new. What people want is for their precious object to be restored to what it was before, so it works as they remember it, or so it can be used properly, or so it shows off its true beauty. Many of these objects have lain languishing for years because their owners didn't know how to fix them. Sometimes they've tried to and made things worse. They need someone who knows what they're doing to help. We're not sideboards or suitcases, but in so many ways we're similar to these objects brought to the repair shop. We all bear the bumps and scuffs of life, and to be honest, some of us, or some bits of us, don't work like they used to. Our bumps and bruises are not always physical though. We all have emotional scars, things that we've done or things that have been done to us. These things have left a mark in our souls and on our conscience. If only there was some kind of repair shop for our souls. How would that work? Well, we'd be able to identify our problems and find a safe space to work on them where no further damage would be done. That's what Jesus spoke to us about earlier in this passage. If someone does something to injure the relationship of the community, then go to them and tell them so, so that they can do something about it. And they should want to hear about it because they care for the people around them and they want to sort things out. Why is it that in a place that's supposed to be that safe space where we can be honest and caring, that we so often hear that someone has a problem with you or something you've done or not done from someone else? Wouldn't it be better just to go and speak to the person in question? After all, they should want to know that they've done something or could improve in something. But if nobody ever tells them, how would they know? Once the problem has been identified, the next part of the repair process is, well, the repairing. But like the mending of other things, it's better to explore if there are underlying issues. Someone comes to me and tells me that something I've done is not right or that I've not done something at all. I might want to think if this is the first time that that's happened. Or if people point this out a lot. We can all have bad days where we react or speak in a way that we might not normally do. We might be tired or hungry or both and that's never a good combination. But if it's more than that then we should want to think more deeply about what might be going on and and that deeper work tends to involve some big and difficult stuff. Stuff like guilt and shame. Repair is one of those brilliant words that has more than one sense or meaning. We repair things, we fix things that are broken but we also make reparations where we have caused damage. We try to help to make good what has been broken. We meet here on our Sabbath day. Sabbath is about repair and restoration and recreation, a time for each of us to stop, to step back and to think seriously about what we might need to repair in our bodies, our souls and in our community. 
And at the heart of that repairing is a very special process that takes lots of practice and can have astonishing outcomes when applied properly. It's called forgiveness. Forgiveness is hard to use properly, especially at first. That's particularly true when we try to use it without reading the instructions. And today we have some of those instructions and they follow up from those three-step processes that we heard to help people realise that they've harmed a relationship earlier in Matthew chapter 18. The repair process is two parts and the first bit is realising you've done something wrong and it needs fixing. But that's not the end of the process. It's a bit like when Jesus heals someone with a skin disease like leprosy. He sends them to the priest to get checked and get a clean bill of health so that they can rejoin the life of the community. Other people need some kind of proof that things have changed. Forgiveness is not forgetting. Forgiveness is recognising a wrong has been done and finding a way to live differently, but with the reality of what's happened. Forgiveness is a long journey to restoring trust and recognising that change is possible. It's hard and it's often painful and it changes everyone involved. That change might mean that someone has to be elsewhere or a relationship has to end because forgiveness is not allowing someone to walk all over you or just continue to hurt you. Jesus' plan for helping someone to recognise their wrongs and change their ways has consequences but it doesn't ever completely cut someone off from the community. Peter wants to limit forgiveness. I think we all do. Seven times for someone to just go on hurting you seems like, well, five or six times too many. So when Jesus replies that 77 times isn't enough, we need to recognise that they're talking about two quite different things. Peter hasn't really understood the consequences of the first part, which is about creating a community where we can each truly care about each other's well-being even when we've done wrong or been wronged by someone else. Brian Stevenson, the American lawyer who began the Equal Justice Initiative to properly represent prisoners on death row in America, writes in his book Just Mercy, Proximity has taught me some basic humbling truths, including this vital lesson. Each of us is more than the worst thing we've ever done. And Perhaps we should add that neither are we defined by the worst thing that's ever happened to us. And that matters. It matters because our identity is important. I say often that no matter who you are or what you've done, you're welcome here and God loves you. And I can say that with confidence because of this passage. If we always begin from remembering that all of us, every single one of us, is a beloved child of God, then our intention must be surely to help each other to live into that reality. Part of doing that is to be honest with each other, especially when things go wrong. Forgiveness is a process of truth-telling, of listening, telling, recognising the impacts of our actions and then committing to make changes so that these behaviours are less likely to happen again. Forgiveness is a community activity. It takes more than one person to make it happen and to make it real. Forgiveness is a long process. Nobody changes overnight. Nobody gets it right the first time. Not those who have hurt or those who have been hurt. You know that. We all know that. That we have to work on it, all of us, all the time. We like to imagine that we can limit God's grace to the deserving. Stevenson discovered in his work with people who had been convicted of some awful crimes. The power of of just mercy is that it belongs to the undeserving. 
It's when mercy is least expected that it's most potent, strong enough to break the cycle of victimisation and victimhood, retribution and suffering, as the power to heal psychic harm and injuries that lead to aggression and violence, abuse of power and mass incarceration. Forgiveness is at the heart of the mercy he describes. Imagine a place where we could make that kind of world a reality where we would each help each other to be better with no agenda and no judgement, where all we desire was the very best for each other, for everyone, even those who have done wrong. That would be a place where everyone can thrive and flourish, where spite and hatred and revenge are things of the past, where love abounds and mercy flows like a river, where righteousness Those good relationships are the foundations of our community and where forgiveness of others and ourselves is real. We call it the kingdom of heaven. And it is possible.
Let us join together in prayer. Loving, caring God, we pray for all your creation. We pray that people will not go hungry or be thirsty, that places of safety and refuge will be available to all, that the scars and wounds that bring pain may be healed and that nations will be open to negotiations and peace and peaceful flow. Let us not be deceptive to ourselves or others, but true and honourable. For you know what is in our hearts and minds. We pray for courage and honesty to make a fresh start where church and guild are facing boundary changes. Help us not to be discouraged if progress is slow, but remain strong as we seek new ways to worship you. Give us wisdom and patience to reshape how we work together, always knowing that we are one in your sight. Please guide us to the voice of Jesus, who despite the weakness of our faith, gives us a second chance and encourages us to try again when we fail. Your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. O God, our Heavenly Father, you are our rock, our comforter, our resting place. We praise you and give thanks for your constant presence. You are our hope, our rainbow, our inspiration. And we praise you and give thanks for the life and colour you create within us. We remember before you the needs of others, those who feel rejected, unloved, unwanted, those who are terminally ill, those who are angry and feel that life is passing them by, 
those who struggle to make ends meet, and those whose hearts are broken. May they find comfort in your arms. Renew and refresh us, enliven us, and change us, prompt us, and improve us in our worship and in our service to our community. These things we ask in the name of God our Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, as we say together, Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. Lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom, the power, and the glory forever. Amen. 77 times is a lot of forgiveness, and it's yours. So receive it and go on. Go on into this new week, forgiven by God, loved by Jesus, and led by the Holy Spirit. Thank you.